Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. back everybody to another episode of bubba the bat flip episode 102 actually i didn't fix that number on the the youtube screen there's episode 102 of bubba and the bat flip hope everybody had a great couple weeks off as we took a little breather from the show but we're going to start back up in action here reviewing uh 2021 positions before we really dig in let let, let adp go for about a month and then we'll then we'll have some fun with that because drafts are blowing and going and we'll start previewing stuff there hoping the season starts on time we'll go at that point there but uh, until then, you can check me on Twitter at BDentric and my co-host is always on Twitter at BatFlipCrazyToby. How are we doing, my friend? Doing well, Bubba. It's nice to get get back together again. We've been been away for a couple weeks here, but um, yeah, it's exciting to be here and it's nice to see some drafts actually happening, you know, seeing those uh, multicolored uh, draft boards from NFBC populating the timeline. Uh, I have yeah. not partaken in any yet. I don't plan to for a little while. Uh, just trying to take it a little bit easy this off season, but yeah, it's exciting to, I'm starting to get the juices flowing. You know, I'm starting to listen to podcasts again and um, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm in my first uh, NFC 50 deal and um, it's, it's, it's fun. It's an eye opener on the whole situation. Let's put it that way. It's a whole, whole different animal to say the least to see how things are going, but it's kind of similar to what we did in, in Arizona. A lot of uh, relief pitcher goofiness, a lot of deep pitchers. Uh, so we'll see how that keeps going as the, the season goes along. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about all that good stuff as well. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to ke- we're gonna try to do catchers first base and second base. We'll see where the discussion takes us. Um, but the idea is to go over the Rasball player rater, go over like the top you know 10 to 20 players at each position, talk about players that kind of stood out and why. And we're doing it based on dollar values by the end of the season for Rasball. So if you want to you know, go back and look at what we were talking about. That's what it's going to be. Uh, there's ADP out there. There's been about 15 total drafts, total drafts, DCs, NFBC 50s. If you want to look at ADP, you can separate them, obviously, and go from there. But uh, we'll just kind of recap things for a little bit here and uh, have some fun. So, like I said, we'll start at the catcher's position because why not? One of the best players, our two best players in baseball, Toby, play catcher. So we might as well talk about the them best. Yes, I'm wearing so- my Phillies hat for a reason tonight. Oh, it's a, it's a big show then. Big show because Salvi Perez jumped him this year. And rightfully so. He earned it. Let's put it that way. He earned it this year. 
he made over $48 in value, according to Razball, which is bonkers but accurate because Salvi nearly hit 50 home runs this year. He is a freak. We talked about it time and time again in the past, Toby, that what elevated him in drafts is because he plays almost – he played 161 games at catcher. Well, not at catcher, but he played 161 games because he DHs catchers the works. And that is – to get a catcher to get 665 at-bats, Toby, is next to just impossible in baseball these days. Like I'm writing catchers for the black book that comes out in middle of December and it's not fun to write to begin with. And second, um, after about, I'll be nice and say 10 guys. It's probably not even 10. You start looking at the stats from last year, the amount of catchers that caught less than a hundred games or played less than a hundred games is insane. So the fact you had a 161, like there's some two catcher leagues, Toby, that didn't combine for 161 games of catcher. So uh, what's your thoughts on Sally? Because I can keep talking about him, but it, he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to go a lot higher up than he did uh, this past year. But I think the the differentiator is what you mentioned, the plate appearances. I think that's so critical, and it's going to be really important. I think heading into next year and thinking about the catcher position will be plate appearances. Because if the DH, you know, if after collective bargaining, the DH comes in in the NL, it's going to impact, I think, some of the some of the top catchers that we'll be talking about uh, briefly tonight. Um, Salvi won't be one of them. I mean, in some respects, compared to the pack, he will lose a little bit of value um, only because the other some other catchers like JTR, you know, and potentially Will Smith and some others will probably catch up a little bit and narrowing the plate appearance gap. So that's just one thing to be mindful of. But I mean, the fact he plays like every single day, like every single day is just a remarkable, um, it's just a remarkable thing, a credit to him. He now has a season and a half of just unbelievably strong stat cast metrics, bat- batted ball quality metrics. So, you know, I, I drafted him in the one draft that I've done, I think in the third round, I want to say, mm-hmm. um, and early, early third round or yeah, early third, no middle third round, I think actually. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 there's nothing really I'm adding to the equation here. Just that he's great. I love him. Yeah, no, he's amazing. There's not a whole lot more to add. Like steamers got him projected for another 600 plus at bats, 37 home runs, 261. Honestly, I think that's kind of realistic. I'd say 30 to 35 homers is probably a safe bet. If he runs hot again, 40 plus, I think we're all on realization he's not going to hit 48 again. That can be very, very surprising because, you know, it's nice he plays every day, but to play catcher and not get banged up enough to need a few days off is pretty impressive. Like, it's I don't care who you are, you usually do. So uh, we'll see how he plays out, but still, he's a beast. He's going to play probably more than anybody outside of a guy in Philadelphia we may talk about. So um, it's pretty impressive what he did this last year. All right, the next guy, no no uh, newbie to this show, JTR, Toby's guy. So I won't say too much, but I will say he finished second on the player Raider at catcher, earning $21, which was $27. He had $27.50 less than Salvador. That's how crazy Salvi's season was. That's all I could say. He was that astronomically good. But JTR was still good. He got banged up, still played 134 games, Toby. He still 13 bases at catcher. So uh, talk to me about JTR. He did. Yeah. Don't, don't sell that man short. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, JTR, I think he's the same guy that he has always, you know, that he's kind of always been. And I think there's going to be a slight discount, at least compared to the last two years 
I think heading into this year, he's going, his ADP right now is 59 so far in the NFBC. And you have to think that people are a little bit, a little bit more prone to picking catchers early in DC formats, just because you aren't streaming, isn't necessarily a viable as viable of an option. So I think that's interesting. And yeah, I mean, he's kind of the guy, like the guy that he always is. He looks exactly um, the same, maybe slightly elevated strikeout rate. You know, the plate discipline wasn't as strong as it's been in some seasons, but he's still making a bunch of contact. Uh, the hard contact's good. The quality of contact metrics, 8.6 barrel rate is up there with, you know, with it's the best he's had outside of the shortened season in 2020, where it's easier to do that over a small sample. So, and to consider the fact that he was beat up a little bit, I think he spent a little like two, like 10 days on the IL or maybe a little bit longer than that. So again, I think he's primed to be a beautiful, beautiful guy. Yeah, I think he's gonna be a good value. He's gonna he's kind of going around where Salvi used to go, maybe a little earlier than where Salvi used to go as that catcher too. But he's gonna steal bags, which Salvi won't do. Um, like we said, all catchers usually get banged up at some point in time. Might not be a serious injury, but it's just the nature of the beast. And I remember he even played through an injury at one time. I remember we were talking about it because his production was so bad. There's like his wrist or his hand or something. And he started the year slow because he got hurt his, hurt his hand in spring training. So it was like, he had a combo of things going on throughout the season. So to still have 17 home runs and steal 13 bags and do what he did, they played him at first base a little bit. They DH'd him a little bit, which is nice because when Hoskins went down, um, shows the versatility of Rio Muto. So if he's damn, if he's, he's versatile. He's, he's a Swiss Army knife. Like it's very it's, it's simple, but um, it just shows if he stays healthy, kind of like Salvi did. He's probably playing 155 plus games pretty easily. So that's what makes him elite because of those stolen bases, which uh, this time next year, we could probably easily, no one would be shocked, at least not on this show, if he's the catcher one over Salvi Perez. Like not a not a chance. Like he's that good. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Obviously he's like, we'll talk about it as we go deeper in catcher, but the, the DH will help a lot of these guys. It won't help as many as I think people are thinking though. Like there's still like a, 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 group of guys that aren't going to take a massive jump and we'll start with the next guy here and will smith he finished third at twenty dollars and fifty cents just below jtr he uh managed to play in 130 games at 25 home runs hit 258 all outstanding there was questions going into the season um because even dave roberts good old dave roberts you know austin barnes and, and will smith they're gonna split time they're gonna do this that will smith was the guy in the end and he's one of the guys that everyone was saying that there was a dh would be big but it wasn't as big as people thought because the Dodgers just used the DH to give guys rest. It wasn't like it wasn't like the Phillies or the Royals where it's like, okay, every fourth or fifth day our catcher is going to DH. Like guaranteed, so now he's in the lineup. Will Smith would get days off. That's just how it worked. So like Barnes would catch and Smith wouldn't DH because Muncy's DHing today or something. And that's how it would work there. Um, still think he's great. Um, he had a great year. He finished catcher three. Any thoughts on Will Smith? Yeah, I think he's super solid. Um, I mean, he got 500 plate appearances last year, and and, and if they add the DH, I mean, yeah, he won't play there like all the time, but he'll get some plate appearances as a DH as well. I think, um, which you know, again, getting 500 plate appearances that's kind of your goal for most catchers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not in kind of the JTR and and Sal- Salvi uh, Perez uh, window. He's just remarkably consistent. I mean, if you're looking for a guy who I think is going to be really good, 
I mean, there's everything's everything's beautiful in Will Smith's profile. Like his plate discipline is elite, elite. He makes a ton of contact. He hits the ball in the air. And I think that's one thing that people should be a little bit wary of, or not wary of, but like just cognizant of is you may look at his 274 BABIP and say, oh, well, you know, maybe there's some positive regression due his way, but he's 276 for his career. He hits the ball in the air an absolute ton, which is always going to limit the batting average upside. You know, he he had a, a 46.3% fly ball rate last year, a 31.5% ground ball rate. So, you know, among the league leaders in terms of low ground ball rate. So I think he's just so, he's so solid. He's in such a good situation. Um, I know we have a lot of questions about him from listeners, but I just think he's a really solid pick all around. And there's, there's upside there for sure. A little bit of downside on the batting average, if that Babbitt luck trends maybe the other way. Um, but just really solid all around player. Yeah. I don't have anything really bad to say about Will Smith. Um, Except he's a Dodger, he, right? I yeah, mean, that's but bad. Like, that's bad. It is bad. But I, I've been the. I think people should know by now that a I'm a lot of tongue in cheek with the Dodgers because if they listen to any of the shows that we do or I do, I've confessed that like I like too many of these guys now. It's hard to hate the Dodgers. Will Smith's another one of them. It's a young kid that can play, and he's like on that borderline because you said you need like 500. Like you're shooting for 500 at bats. That's what you want from your catcher. Almost all the guys below this, it starts to get a little shakier. Like there's a couple we'll talk about that are pretty close, but it starts dropping pretty quickly after this point. It's so like when I said there's like 10 guys, I was being kind of nice. There's maybe 10 guys that might get you like 350 or more. Like it drops pretty quick at a certain point. This is kind of that that spot, the spot. So it's like, do you want to go catch her early? And we'll talk about this in the preview podcast. But if you want to go catch her early, these are the guys you're going to have to go for. And they're all going to the top 180p right now. So of course you want to go catch her early, but there's only do. one way to roll. Yes, catchers, pitchers, rock and roll, Toby. And, hey, Pete, we, we joke about it tongue-in-cheek sometimes, but Toby wins. So <laughs> if he doesn't win the Not league, he still all wins the money. Time. I said, oh. That's why I said if he doesn't win the league, he still wins money. He finishes in the money more often than not. So there's a lot to like there. You're embarrassing me, Bubba. No, I just speak the truth because you are that good. Um, next up, we're just going to skip him, but I'm going to say his name because he deserves it. He's oh, the comeback player of the year for the second time. Say his name, yeah. Lester Posey, uh, amazing season. I'm. It sucks as a Giants fan that he won't be playing anymore, but I'm so happy he went out the way he did. Like more the, I wish more players could. I like the fact he played for one team. It was awesome. He went on in his and terms. He, it was your team that helps. Yeah, that helps a ton. But it was it was on his terms. He's happy. He's going to be with his family. He's going to be a heck of a coach someday when he takes you know a few years off to to be with the family and then realizes okay I can go do this. It's gonna it's gonna be cool, but I'm pretty happy for him to move on. Had a heck of a season, so that was pretty cool. All right, now it gets fun because we're going in order of the Razball Raider. Which when you start looking at ADP, things get different. But Mike Zunino finished fifth. He's currently the 15 catcher going off the board around pick 260. But Mike Zunino in 375 plate appearances, Toby, 33 home runs. I will say it's impressive. He only had 62 RBIs. In 33 home runs, and he hit 216. But that's what you know you're getting from Zanino. Not a big average. But if he can get you 30-plus home runs, it's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, when you think about, like, the just the overall context, the 216, I mean, the 216 is awful. Let's be, let's be honest. Yep. But, you know, the 216 for this year, 
is actually like his best batting Not average horrible. in three yeah. seasons, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also like you peg it to the league average and he's moving even closer toward you know what you need. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you target him. Um, I think some of the things that jump out at me, 30.3% home run per fly ball rate, which is much higher than any season he's had In previously. a tough ballpark, though. That's the funny part. In a tough ballpark and yeah. and with the, with a slightly deflated ball. True. You know, um, but, you know, at the same time, he also had the highest barrel rate of his career at 24.3% by about, by close to 9%. And so, and his max exit velo was the, was the highest it's ever been at 117.3. So maybe they've figured something out. I think the challenge is there's just so much downside. Um, there's just so much downside where he's going. Although, you know, his ADP is 273 right now yeah, in draft and holds. So it's not horrible. So maybe there's, maybe I should say there's upside, but I think the downside is, you know, if he, the reason his, his batting average was higher was largely because they were home runs, right? He's hitting a ton of fly balls, 54% fly ball rate, you know, which is just, just insanely high. And so those are going to be outs if they're not home runs. So if that home run per fly ball regresses to the mean, um, you're not just going to be talking about him going from 33 home runs to 25 home runs or 20 home runs. You're going to be talking about him in the single digits in terms of, well, not single digits, but you know, one hundreds in terms of batting averages pretty quickly there. And so for that reason, you know, I I would stay away from him just because I think there's too much, there's too much downside there with the batting average, especially if you're relying on him, like in a draft champions, as opposed to, you know, season long where, where maybe you can, you can mix and match him with a higher batting average catcher to, to, um, you know, to, to benefit your squad. But it's, I can't believe he hit 33 home runs. I had no idea until I was looking just now. It's kind of crazy and um, pretty impressive power, just the barrel rate and everything like that. What's well, what's been funny about it is, you know like the power's always like been there we've never thirty three maybe not but we knew he was like a powerful guy but strikeouts and you know lack of contact and this and that be like look at his BABIP he was like a two thirty ish BABIP this year last two years have been really bad but prior to that he's like a two fifty plus guy and it's like maybe he started th- showing strides this year after two bad years and if he creeps creep in the right way maybe he starts hitting like two twenty five every year and hits twenty five home runs there's worse catchers so it's. It's definitely volatile and risky, 100%. Like, I, I have not drafted him yet in my drafts. I've passed on him uh, completely. I'm just, I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued at where he's going in drafts, though, because at that point in the catcher's world, it's, um you know, you got Christian Vasquez, Sean Murphy's, Omar Narvaez, Gary Sanchez is right there. There's either guys that don't have a lot of power or guys like Gary Sanchez. So you pick your poison. But um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where that one that all lands. All right, the next catcher off the board, we're going to skip one because he's not going to be catcher eligible this year. We go to Yasmani Grandal. Uh, I forgot to mention Zanino made $13 last year after Will Smith's 20 and a half. Uh, we go to Grandal, who made $9.80. So quite the drop off there. We do have to remember Grandal missed a ton of time with the knee injury, still played uh, in 93 games for 375 at bats because he plays first base. He DHs. That's one reason we liked him going into last year into Chicago. Still managed 23 home runs. And he finished the season very, very well, hitting 240 overall on the season, walking a ton. So I'm a huge Grandall fan. I already grabbed him in my NFPC 50 that I just did. I, I, I love Grandall this year. If you can't get one of the big three, zero problems settling on Grandall. 
Yeah, I think Grandall is wonderful. I mean, I think he is just an incredible player. And the consistency is what's remarkable to me because I think in our heads, we're thinking like, oh, Grandall, he's great, better in OBP than average, which is obviously the case. I mean, in OBP, he's absolutely Mm -hmm. phenomenal, which I know because I always have him in OBP. (laughs) Uh, And he, but the batting average, let me read you his batting average the last five seasons, 240. 230, 246, 241, 247. Like he's hitting in the 240s and it's it's been weird how he's gotten there, right? He hit like 160 yeah. in the first half last year and then he hit like 3 million. Um that's what my that's what my 4-year-old would say. He hit like 3 million in the second half of the season. And and he ends up in the, a similar spot. And sometimes that's how the production works, right? That's how things happen, but you're talking about a guy who, like you mentioned before, he was injured a lot of last season. You know, he's going to get a ton of plate appearances. He's hitting for power. He's getting on base and scoring a lot of runs in the middle of that lineup. He's going to get a lot of RBI and a good lineup as well. He's in a division that has a little bit of suspect pitching and suspect teams in general. So contextually, the environment is fantastic for him. And your only concern really, I mean, outside of lack of speed, right? He's like the slowest guy in baseball, but he's betting average. And he's been so consistent, you can kind of plan on it, right? You can be like, I mean, it's okay to have a guy who hits 240 on your team. Like we all have guys who hit 240. And like that was like my batting average in some leagues for my entire team last year. So I think he's very playable in in all – all formats. And I think he's a fantastic, fantastic player as well. I, let me just check something really quick. Cause I feel like his quality of yeah, quality of contact metrics. So he had his highest max exit velocity since 2015. He had his highest barrel rate ever, you know, highest hard hit rate ever stack cast wise. His mat his average exit velocity was 93 miles per hour. <laughs> And we just know how damn good his plate discipline is. I yep. mean, he, it's so good. I mean, watching him, his at-bats is kind of fun because it's like a battle between him and the umpire yep. where it's like he takes a pitch. And when he takes a pitch, he's like, that's a, that's a ball. That's a ball. Well, it's one of the closest things you've seen since like Barry Bonds. Like he knows the strike zone so well. He's like, this is where it's at. It's great. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think he's great. I think he's great. I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah he's a beast. Absolute beast. Another guy that tied him at $9.80 as well was Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. He had an, about another 130 at-bats. Then Contreras doesn't walk nearly as much, 21 homers, but he did get five steals, which is nice. Uh, he's going to be on that Cubs team, though. Going to be interesting. That'll be something we can definitely dig into more later. But in 2021, he got the job done. It just felt like it was an underwhelming season to me. Yeah. I mean, he got, yeah, he got the job done. I didn't, yeah. I didn't mind having him. It was, it was definitely up and downs there for a while, yeah. but you know, when you look at it, 25 home, 21 home runs, the five stolen bases, like you mentioned before, and he's a guy that oftentimes we don't associate with improved plate appearances with the DH, but he's going to yeah. be one of their best hitters. He'd be one of the big ones. He's yeah. Be middle of the lineup. He's going to be playing. And remember in 2020, when you got the 225 plate appearances in the shortened season, they were playing him in the outfield. They were playing him in a lot of different spots. And so he's definitely a guy who could benefit from the plate appearance bump um, for sure. You know, he had his lowest, uh, he had his lowest Babbitt um, of his career, you know, at 298 career, he's 314. So that helps explain a little bit of the batting average being down. 
you know, the skills were relatively similar to where they've been. His plate, his plate discipline was actually better, you know, the best that he's ever had, you know? Um, so that's good. Highest max exit velo of his career, highest, well, I guess second highest barrel by 0.1%, but 11.1% barrel rate, highest average exit velocity, highest hard hit rate, you know? So Again, like here's a younger guy. He's 29. He's been around for a while. The plate discipline is pretty good. 11% walk rate. It'll probably go up next year just with having worse guys around him. The strikeout rate strikes me as being a little abnormally high for for what it should be. I I would want to dig in a little bit into that strikeout rate and just see what happened. You know, guys can get impacted by you know more called called third strikes. You know, things like that can can have an impact on those strikeout rates. So I like Wilson Contreras as well as a guy who I think is going to get a plate appearance boost who can contribute across categories. Again, the batting average is a little bit suspect, but he has like in the, in the last full season before this, he hit 272 with a remarkably similar batted ball profile to what he has right now. And so, yeah, I mean, the only major difference was a higher strikeout rate, even though like contact rate was relatively similar and a higher home run per fly ball rate that other season. So maybe he hit a few more home runs than fly outs, you know, and those are the types of things that can sway things. So I like Contreras as well. As you can tell, I really like catchers. I like, like all the, yeah, this is his I position. Have no criticisms whatsoever. For yeah. Toby likes his catchers, but it'll be interesting with Contreras this year. Cause you know, they didn't trade him. They don't want to trade him. Apparently they still could trade him. We'll see how that goes. Uh, if he's in the lineup, he should play every day, even with the DH, like you mentioned. What the supporting cast could be interesting. So how well is he a pitch to? Lots of questions there. But we know he's talented. He's young. And the fact he can throw some steals in there does not uh, disappoint me at all. Uh, up next, Eric Haas got you $5.80. And it's pretty impressive because Haas did it in 98 games. Didn't even start the year up with the team. Hit 22 homers. Hit 231. Strikes out a ton. I don't think a lot of this is sustainable. They also got Tucker Barnhart now. So... He's catcher outfield eligible. I don't think he's going to be catching as much as he'd like anymore since they got Tucker Barnhart. So doesn't matter this year. You can still use my catcher. We'll talk about that in the preview show. But he had a heck of a year. I know some people grabbed him off the wire, and it helped a ton because he, he he basically did what Mike Zunino did, but with batting average, per se. And um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what 2022 brings. But good season for him all around. Yeah, he had a really good season. He was great to have, too. I mean, the Tigers team, you know, they just didn't have the depth. And so he was playing pretty much every single day, uh, which was which was terrific. Um, and, you know, he's, again, like you mentioned, I mean, Zanino's a really good comp just in terms of the strikeout rate isn't quite as bad, but, you know, and the power is similar, but maybe not quite as good as Zanino's. I think the challenge with him, like you mentioned, they just added is, is contextual in a lot of ways. So they, they just signed Tucker Barnhart, who's a great defensive catcher. So he's going to be logging two thirds of the games at catchers catcher. Probably, you know, they yeah, still have young two, staff. They're going to want him down there at catcher. Yeah. That's, that's big. And so maybe Haas gets those other, other plate appearances, but the question is going to be, are you going to, are you going to have Haas in the outfield next year? Right. Are you going to have him in the outfield next year on a team that theoretically is going to go out and add a Carlos Correa, you know, mm-hmm. and, and add these other guys? And so I just think that that his problem is going to be he's a perfect player for a crappy team that doesn't have depth. 
And that what gives him value is that the enormous amount of plate appearances that he was able to get compared to other catchers. But now that this team is headed in the direction of becoming more of a contender, they're going to add some offensive pieces. I don't think they have room for him to be that guy this year. And so I, I just hope folks don't, you know, maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's not, we don't, we won't know until next season's over, but I just hope people don't make the mistake of, of thinking of Haas as being super valuable next year because he played like every day this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. hundred percent. I think that's, that's the thing to be cautious of. Yep. Most definitely it'll be fun to see where that keeps going as we get through the, uh, the draft season and, and start talking about it more in January. Yadier Molina. He's back. <laughs> Another deal with the Cardinals. He ain't leaving anytime soon. He's going to be 39 in July. But in his year 38 season, he brought you $3.30, hit 11 homers. The power production continues to decline a little bit. Um, the average still is not bad, but it's still going down each year. Something to kind of monitor there. Still still not bad. Um, he's just getting older, and he's not playing as much. as Well, I guess he hasn't played a ton consistently in a while, but he's still going to play a lot more than other guys. Like when I say that top 10, Yachty bubbles around that top 10 because he's still going to get you a ton of at-bats. That's what Yachty does. It's just older at bats and the production's waning, Toby. Yeah, for sure. I think he's getting to the point where he's becoming a little less useful. Appealing. Right. Because the power, he had that one season. And I definitely I believed in it. I mean, he had those two seasons in 17, 18, where he had 38 combined home runs, but he hasn't really touched that recently. And I know having him in a few leagues last year, I mean, he's like the perfect. He's just like, I'm surprised he's not $0. You know, he's yeah. like a perfect, like, just blah guy who's just going to blah everything. Um, and he does add a few steals every single season because he's a smart guy. He knows when to take advantage of it, even though he's slow as molasses. But like, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of that guy that falls into the territory of, I used to really want to get him, but now I'm like, there might be a little bit more upside somewhere else, hundred percent. you know? And, yep. and so I might not have as much interest in him as I have in previous seasons. And I think you're right. He is playing less. Like he was healthy pretty much the full season this year. And he only got to the plate appearances that he had previously gotten in seasons where he was injured. Yeah, um, and they, they pretty they much that, did. They have that young catcher against Andrew Kisner. Or I, I pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. Kneiser, who's supposed to be kind of their next Yachty. So, it's more of like, okay, keep teaching him Yachty. We're going to play you like two-thirds of the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, my favorite thing is like Yachty is like one of the best at keeping runners from stealing bases. But Kneisner is like awful at it. And so it's always like the base runners are like to have their eyes like they're just like wide open when Kneisner's back there. He's like, just, you just want to go. You just want to run against him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. How that keeps going. Yachty's awesome. He's fun. He's going to be a great mentor to anybody that sits back there that wears that uh, that uh, catcher's gear. But it's definitely starting to hit that point. I, I knew he doesn't. I get you could kind of tell he never wanted to, to retire. But watching him play now, it's like, dude, go. It's like I, I like UFC, and it's like watching certain fighters like retire soon, please. Like stop. Like stop. You're just going to hurt yourself here pretty soon. And Yachty's getting to that point where it's okay. It's time to call it. Call it. Let's go. <laughs> so we'll see where that one keeps going. Uh, next on the list, though, is an interesting one because when you look at ADPs and everything, he's like the eighth catcher off the board in DCs. And that's Tyler Stevenson, who's going to potentially benefit from Tucker Barnhart being out of town. But even last year, 
playing catcher in first base. He made you $2.50 hitting two or 10 home runs, hit 286. His bat-to-ball skills are pretty darn solid. I think that's what a lot of people are looking at. Plus, he walks over 10% of the time. He's walked like you know, almost entire minor career and in the bigs. So really good plate discipline, uh, good bat-to-ball skills, uh, high BABIP guy. So we'll see if that, that works. But he's been that way his whole time. So it might be one of those guys. I'm curious what a full season does because he did he, he did that in 132 games last year, but only 400 at bat. So it wasn't like he was getting full games. So it'll be curious to see how it plays out this year. Yeah, you know, he's interesting. Like I look at the profile and I'm kind of like, here's a guy who should swing and miss more. Yep. Like, you know, it's just, it's a super, like I've seen the guy. I remember he actually hit a home run in the Fall Stars game uh three years ago at at um first pitch arizona he hit a bomb to dead center and or else maybe it was just a regular game i I can't exactly remember but like he seems to have power but then you look at the numbers and you're like the barrel rate is blah the max Mm -hmm. exit velo is blah like he seems like the type of guy that needs to have a joey Votto type of renaissance where he realizes that it's okay to swing and miss a little bit more and give in a little bit more for the power. And so it'll be interesting to see how that develops and whether that develops and whether he has that, the ability to do that. I mean, the one thing that I'll say just in looking at his rolling average graphs, you know, over his last 40 games, the contact rate did go down. The hard hit rate did go up. The ground ball rate went down as well, which I think is important um, down to 40%, which is really nice. So some promising trends there in the kind of end of season data. Um, But again, like in order for him to be, I think really valuable, um, you know, yeah. I mean, all around solid, right. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what we were talking about. It's kind of like, I'd go for Stevenson over Yachty, right. Because I think they're getting drafted so far apart, which is crazy. It's a similar profile. Are they getting how far? Apart yeah, Stevenson's the eighth catcher off the board, and Yachty's oh, yeah, the twentieth. He's, he's going high. Yeah, they're like um, they're yeah. almost they're like one hundred and fifty picks apart. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, my only question would kind of be, it depends on how good of a hitter hitter he is, and they're also like selling, and it, the Reds are selling, so there may be more lineup spots available for him. It'll be interesting to see what that usage is like because you could see. You know, they give him a lot more reps at catcher. He needs a little bit more of a break. He actually doesn't get those games at first base that he would have normally gotten. Or, you know, alternatively, they have the DH returns, and he's a guy who plays DH on a regular basis. I haven't seen anything about what their plans are, but I feel like there's a, just a broad spectrum of where he could fall in terms of value. And maybe the reason why people are reaching for him, or not value, but like in terms of production, and like maybe the reason why people are are grabbing him is they see a guy who's got a very solid foundation to build off of, and there's also a lot of room for upside if he gets additional playing playing appear, plate appearances. If you know he does hit for maybe a little bit more power, um, all things that are you know in his second real full season in the major leagues would would be a reasonable thing to potentially expect. Yeah, and that's the thing with Stevenson is he's got the the bat to ball skills we talked about. He's young. They want to use him quite a bit. And when you look at it last year, he played 23 games at first base. So, sure, there was a stretch that Rivado spent time on the uh, the IL. But 
with the DH in play, you could definitely see Votto spending more time at DH, maybe moving Stevenson over there, something along those lines. So it's definitely an option to kind of see how that all plays out as it goes with a guy like Stevenson for sure. And uh, just brings it. I think if you're drafting Stevenson, and again, we'll, we'll talk about this more in a couple of weeks is I think you're drafting on the upside of a young player finding everyday playing time, hitting his peak. That's what you're doing there compared to the Yachty. It's like, we know what we're getting with Yachty. We're getting him a hundred picks later. It's like, okay, cool. Um, where Stevenson could take that next step, maybe hit 20 home runs. Like I'm not saying he's going to, that's a big step, but he could, he, he could where Yachty. I think we'd all be more than shocked at, like forever if he hit 20 home runs. So it, it gets, it gets really interesting in that respect. This, this is really interesting too. If you go to Stevenson's prospect page on his prospect grades, He's a 65 raw power, hmm. but he's a 45 game power. So, so he puts on a great show in batting practice, huh? <laughs> it seems like, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, like, I don't normally go back and look at that type of stuff, but I wanted to see, did, does he seem to have that skill? But no, they had him as a 40 in-game power present value, and then future value was 45. And so that doesn't mean he can't get there, but it does mean that his profile kind of coming in wasn't like a masher that maybe you expect when you see the dude. Because when you see the dude, I mean, he's like a big dude, I think. I mean, let's, let's, let's verify. I mean, I, I don't know what qualifies as a big dude, but he is 6'4", 225. That's a big dude. So that's, a, that's, a, that's a big dude. Especially right? a catcher. So you, you, expect, you expect maybe a little bit more power than you should potentially. Yeah, well, I mean that was a gem we'll from see. this podcast, but I just want to yeah. point that out. I mean, sometimes well things happen. Sometimes things happen, together. and in the moment, you just know there was just something special about yeah. that. It was. It was great. This is the the Stevenson hour. Um, <laughs> next up is Christian Vasquez. No, Christian Vasquez. This is this is where it gets to the fun part because he started out the year great last year, and then he's kind of slowly finished the season. Like it wasn't anything flashy. Uh, it made you two dollars and twenty cents. But what Vasquez does. And this is where it gets to the point, do you take the chance on guys playing two-thirds of the games or do you play Christian Vasquez, who's going to play nearly every day at catcher? This is the closest thing you're going to get to a guy. He won't ever DH because JD's there or they'll put Xander or Devers on a day off. Very rarely will Vasquez ever DH. But he played 138 games last year. He played 47 in a 60-game season. He played 138 the year before. He throws in a few stolen bases. Doesn't have a ton of power. We saw that one big year. We all kind of knew that was kind of fluky. You're going to get anywhere from like five to 10 homers, maybe five to 10 steals, decent average, but he's going to play a ton. It's it's one of those like reliability things. You know you can put him in your lineup, and if he runs hot, you're great. Otherwise, he's going to get you catcher's numbers. Like you're going to get it. Um, so what's your thoughts on Vasquez in this past season? Just thinking about – you know, all those people who said you should just get Christian Vasquez instead of JT Real Muto last year during drafts. It's all I can think about, you know? No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, it's, it's, it's actually kind of interesting. Like I, I'm looking at fan graphs and I'm sorting the catchers by WRC plus, and he doesn't even show up on the front page. He's a 77 WRC plus with just the six home runs, which is really interesting. I mean, not to be like overly critical of the guy, but like, you know, he had those like that, like, he had that 23 in 2019 and they hit seven in 2020 and the home run per fly ball rate was so much higher than it had ever been before. And it almost seemed like the 2020 confirmed that the 2019 was the case, but like now we're back to, you know, kind of, is he a non-power guy? Is he just more of like a speed 
speed guy, batting average guy. It's not a terrible profile. I think it just depends on where, you know, he ends up going. You know, he's going around two pick 250 in DCs, which I don't think is is terrible because, bad. you know, I mean, the thing is power is important, but it's not it's not as important as when we had the the juiced ball. Especially you know, a catcher. Like, a catcher you, is not as big a deal. Yeah, and you can take you can take some lower home run guys now. Um, you know, not too many of them, but so he's interesting. I mean, he's definitely interesting. I think you kind of know what you're going to get. Again, a guy who has a pretty solid floor is going to play on a regular basis. And he, you know, and we've seen that there's a little bit of a ceiling there as well for him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see if he can ever find that power again and get you a diamond in the rough. I wouldn't plan on it, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, Above, you know what I can't believe I haven't integrated yet into this is I actually have populated my spreadsheet for the first time with steamer projections. And I haven't even been saying, I haven't even been spouting off dollar values of what these guys Because that's for are the on my preview. Spreadsheet. That's for the preview. That's, that's for the preview. Yes. This is the thing. I mean, you guys don't know this, but this is like a really long cliffhanger. Yes. Like you just, you're like, Man, you're talking sense like, about like all when, these when guys. Talk, well, we're talking about the play. We're teasing you with what we think for 2022, but we haven't got into what we think for 2022. We big have, difference. I mean, big we're difference. kind of, you know, I think that's big. That's yeah. big. We're doing a little different. Last time, I feel like, just to give you guys a little bit of behind the scenes, last year we did the position preview super early, and then we did like the re-previews, the re-reviews yep. or whatever beforehand. But it was like we went into so much depth early on in the season when there were so many contextual factors and other things that, you know, like the, the, the close, the March projections and things like that, that we could incorporate. So we thought it would be better, more beneficial to kind of go back and go over like what happened, what yeah. white might we anticipate moving forward. And then we're going to crush it. We're going to absolutely crush it on the previews, like in depth, just cutting edge stuff. Like you think that Stevenson stuff right there was good. Like you, nothing, what you guys are going to get, which you, I mean, Stevenson's like, he's big. Like, Real he's big. like a big dude. Four, he's a big dude. 25. Raw I mean, power. Big, big meat Raw Pete. Power. Big meat Pete the polar bear is a big guy. But yeah. Tyler Stevenson, I Have mean, let's met actually. Tyler Stevenson. Like, let's if they're do in a, a picture comp. together, like, if they're in a picture together, you might can get confused. Okay. Let, let's. Okay. Who do you think is a bigger guy? I think Stevenson's Pete, bigger than Pete, Pete Alonso. Alonso. Okay. Let's see. He's at least taller. I mean, Stevenson's taller. Pete Alonso is a pretty big guy too. Oh, he's, he's six he's, three, two forty five. So he's, he's got he's got twenty pounds on Tyler Stevenson, but he's he's an inch shorter. So, yes. so it all equates. It does. It does. <laughs> Later on, you guys are going to get a true. We're going to go through and we're going to rank guys on how big they are. You know, yes. like. It's going to be a great show. If, if there is a lockout, you guys are in for a world of hurt. That's all I got to yeah. say. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. If there's no lockout, we can just keep moving the train. <laughs> if there's sure. a lockout, we're just going to have different get, shows about just randomly. It's going to get wild. That's going to get like wild. Six, five, 240? Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. No. And that dude's, then they got Dustin Pedroia's out there. <laughs> I know. My God. Dustin Pedroia from Woodland, California. That's right. Yolo That's County. Right. You That's only live boy. once, County. You only live once county. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. Oh, oh man. I was just gonna Good say, stuff. and we thought we were gonna get through catcher first base. And no, did you see base. how I? Did you see how I changed the thing already? 
Uh, yeah, you, you changed the name. Of, you can't change the title of the episode, Bubba. You can't change the title of the episode in the middle of it. You're like, I should have known. First I, base, we're just. We're I should have known. That. I should have known. We're just gonna have too much. Call fun. it off. No, Call no it just off. catchers, we're, catchers, catchers. We're good. We, we bring too much value. I mean, exactly to the, to the fantasy baseball industry to not give these guys their due due diligence. Yeah, we got to go and at I least twenty. Well, it's fun. It's good information. We got to go at least twenty catchers. And the next one, Omar Narvaez. It's a buck thirty. Like these aren't aren't big values, but it's catcher position, not shabby. And he's another one of those guys. You know, he's he's there for his decent defense, but he can hit the baseball. He hits for a decent average, a little bit of pop, not a ton of pop, but he plays 123 games. He's basically to me, he's a better Christian Vasquez. Just doesn't run. That's the way I would look at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many catchers that are like so mediocre. I mean, he's essentially Yadier Molina too, right? He's Yadi. Yeah. He's Yadi, maybe without stolen bases with a higher batting average, I think, higher higher ceiling. He's 10 years younger than Yadi almost. <laughs> he's, he's, he's 10 years younger too. So I think Narvaez is fine. I think we kind of know who he is. I think if we don't have a juiced ball next year, we're probably not going to see the 22 home runs, which also helps, you know, kind of show – why the batting average is going to be lower, you know, without the same level of, of pop, you know, he plays in a decent lineup in a good ballpark for lefties. So I think he's, he's totally solid, but I don't think he's a guy that you really want to jump after. He is the type of guy though. I think where, you know, you may want to look for him if you're, if you're light on batting average, you know, hmm. if you're light on batting average and that's what you're kind of need more from your catcher than anything else. You know, he's perfectly good for that. I mean, a good example, you know, uh, Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver had a, I was listening to their podcast earlier today. Great show as, as usual, launch angle pod um, and, and uh, manly van Lee. Um, and, and they were just talking about, Jeff was talking about like how he wants uh, more batting average or like maybe a little bit more of a batting average uh, floor on, on his catchers. Um, and this is like the perfect guy to fill that in, you know, is kind yeah. of solid batting average. He's going to do it. There's nothing in the profile that says that he's not, and the power is not necessarily going to be there, but it's going to be fine. Stolen bases aren't going to be there, but the counting stats are going to be fine. But I don't think they're going to be anything too great. And Manny Pena signed with the Braves, yep. right? So yep. he's, he's gone. gone. So you, I don't know who their backup catcher is going to be. Probably won't change anything too much, but possibly it could. He could see some time in at DH as well. He'd be like a good DH guy. He's, yeah. he's decent enough. So yeah, something to monitor for sure. Definitely a little bit of upside, solid floor. Yeah, I took him as my catcher three in my FBC 50 because of that batting average asset. Like, if if everything goes wrong, I can slot him in and just be fine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I like that quite a bit. Now, the next catcher off the board, this is interesting because people see Gary Sanchez now in fantasy, and they're just like, he sucks. And he's not great. Don't get me wrong. He hit 204 last year, hit 23 home runs. Uh, he DHs a bit. He walks a decent amount, too. But he still made you over a buck. Like, it's not great, but at a catcher, He's a top 15 catcher last year, which is pretty crazy to think about because if you had Gary Sanchez, you'd think he probably buried you. So he's a guy that I've passed on so far. I look at him, I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to get my own one or biases. I'll get my power elsewhere. But if you like Mike Zanino, this could be Mike Zanino light, or he could catch lightning in a bottle and start crushing it again. He, he He's such a conundrum every year, but his defense is so bad, Toby. It really limits. Like Higashioka continues to get lots of run out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. 
It's kind of brutal for Gary. He hit 183 in the second half. Yep. I mean, if you're playing NFBC and you're in an overall, Crushing it's really it. tough to go there. I mean, you know, maybe cheaper version of Zanino. Is he even cheaper, though, than Zanino? No, he probably costs more. No, he's, um, he's, the, he's the same. Oh, he's about the same. Yeah, they're going right next to Yeah, each he's other. about the and same. Between yeah. those two, Omar Narvaez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's just, he's not a good player. He's he's not good at, at at anything. Um, and I and I don't want to be mean. It's not to like take away. He hit twenty three home runs as a catcher, but comes with a two oh four batting average. I mean, in the last four seasons, two oh four, one forty seven, two thirty two, one eighty six. You know, and yeah, the home runs are there, but you can get home runs in other places that don't hurt you that bad. You know, I mean, even at catcher, like you can probably find some, you could probably stream your way to 10 to 15 home runs. And I'd rather take that than, than what you're getting with Gary. You know, he, he's the playing time's getting cut. He kind of starts to fall into this, you know, situation, which a Jeff Zimmerman's done research on and, and um, uh, on just like when your guys are just like a bad player, you know, there's a lot of risk with that, with those picks. And he's just not a good player. He's not good defensively. He's got really one stat that carries him now with the power. And it doesn't do enough in the profile. And I mean, you can still keep hoping that, you know, what what are we looking back at? Like 1982? Is that the last time he was good? Like, I mean, we're, we're talking like, oh, well, if you go back to 2017, yeah. you know, he hit 270. Well, it's like, Every year since then, he's maxed out at 230. I mean, he's not good. He's just not a good player. I, I would I would kind of steer clear of him. Because Zanino's a good defensive catcher. You know, exactly. That keeps him alive where, where Sanchez can't catch. Like, they they debated trading him. They debated, like, can we find anybody to take him? And no one wants to trade for him. It's it's bad. I mean, Gary's 6'2 and 230. He's, he's not quite a big dude. He's a not good size. He's good. Quite not big. a big dude, but he's he's solid. He's solid. Maybe he needs to stand up more in his stance. He crouches so much. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, man. man, man, can we get a Rod on the show? I mean, yes, he's always got his analytics. knees. He's got his leg down, and that's the his wild pitch. Yeah, that's we're, we're doing it. We're doing a Rod analytics. He's a big dude. He's a big, <laughs> big guy. I mean, you want him bunting. I mean, if you have a runner on second and there's nobody out. Regardless of the score, you want yep. Sanchez Bunting. You got to know the fundamentals. That's what's exactly. going to win. Who wouldn't want us in Sunday Night Baseball? I'm telling you, like it, it just makes I'm, too much. That sense. is a. It's a really good idea. That's I'm a really you. good. We idea. We got all the ideas on these shows. It's the off season. I got all the ideas in the world. People um, want straight shooters. I mean, yep, we got it. We talk we about it. it all. We'll we'll bring you know Toby. You can bring the the the, the ice cream cookies and all that stuff. Oh, like dude. we 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 got it all. We we haven't even talked about Thanksgiving yet either. I know we're going to get there. I've got a lot of cooking to do the next couple of days. <laughs> That's why we started a little bit late. We were finished. I was finishing helping brine the turkey. So it was. Oh uh, man, brining yeah. the turkey already? Yeah, you got to get it a couple. Look at twenty four to forty eight hours in advance. Oh yeah, I eat a tofurkey, Bubba. I know. I, so you don't I have to eat worry a tofurkey. I mean, the tofurkey is easy, man. You just yeah. baste it. You put a little olive oil, a little soy sauce on it. Is that what? No, or do we? Yeah, soy I think, sauce. I think it's interesting. No, maybe soy sauce. I, I I can't remember. It looks like soy sauce. It could be vinegar. I, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing, but we normally do that. We normally do that. But nice. Hey, and you whatever just pop works it in, for people. Surround it with vegetables. 
So that's good. You know, that's it's good. it's not. I wouldn't call it aesthetically pleasing, but hey, it does whatever works. Like Once I said on Twitter, like I said on Twitter the other day, everybody do what makes you happy. Let's stop all the, the slander. It. It's Thanksgiving. I know. Come, Come on, on, people. Like, yeah. Vlad Sedler finally said it best. I'll let you guys go look at it, but he had a great hashtag. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's much better. Make whatever the hell you want to have. Yeah, it pretty speak. much. That's yeah. what it should be. So enjoy. Um, next up on the catcher's list, this one's a guy I love. Elias Diaz somehow only made a buck last year, which kind of surprised me, but I guess it's because he only played in 106 games. He played most of that in the second half because Dom Nunez got the run early. Then Elias Diaz established himself and ran with it. 18 homers, 246 average. He's always been a decent average guy. Mm-hmm. Powers just fluctuated because playing times fluctuated with him in reality. He got the everyday job. They just signed him to a multi-year deal in Colorado. Did it's they? His, I missed that. His, I think it was at least a two-year, uh, three-year, three-year, $14.5 million three extension. Deal. I mean, that's a commitment, right? So there. he's the dude going into the next year. Um, I already grabbed him. I got him, Narvaez, and Grandall in that league. So I'm pumped on that. And I'm going to have way too much Diaz and I'm ready to get my heart broken. But uh, I love what he's got going on. A full season of him is going to be great to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say a couple things. Um, I really like, I really like him. I'm just looking at it. I'm just looking at it. I really like him a lot. Uh, The things that I like about Elias Diaz that I'm looking at. um, First of all, I mean, he's 6'1", 223. He's a little guy. He's a little guy with a big heart. Big heart. Um, But um, no, what I like about him is he had a career low BABIP in cores. So that batting average should go up. BABIP place, yeah. It it should go up. I mean, he hit, he had a 16.2% strikeout rate, you know, super low strikeout rate, makes a ton of contact, decent plate discipline. Um, the batting average should go up. I think the home runs are a little bit fluky. Home runs are a little bit fluky. He had 18 home runs on 22 barrels. He had a 16.1% home run per fly ball rate, which is about which is about 6% higher than he has in his career. Now, theoretically, like that could be a Coors issue, although Coors isn't really like, like it's definitely plus home runs, but it's not that plus home runs. It's more plus Babbitt. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just see here. Let me just see the batted ball splits here. I'm, I'm interested to see his home and away home run per fly ball. So they were about equal. Yeah. So I would say I would expect some diminishing returns on the home runs compared to last year. You know, give me like a 12 to 15, but then I think he's much more likely to hit two. I mean, like the, the steamer projection says it all 265, 11 home runs, and 342 plate appearances. Maybe you bump up plate appearances up, you know, because it seems like they're committing to him longer term. Yeah. So I'd you're say, thinking I think more probably closer to like 450, probably. Yeah. So you're thinking more like 265, 13 home runs, maybe 45, 55, or something like that which is very serviceable and he's going later than any of the guys that we've talked about before. So um, I like, I like Diaz. I think he's a nice late catcher who, who, like you said before, like I've always kind of liked the profile because he hits a lot of line drives. doesn't strike out a lot. He's got a really nice vibe. Yeah. He's got a great approach and he goes late drafts. Like are we stream him in past years because of the, the platoons he played in Pittsburgh so many times. So the fact that it should be his gig, they paid him to make it his gig. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty pumped on that. I think 
as drafts go on, he's going to slowly climb up unless something really weird comes out about playing time. So it's going to be hard to pass on that one. Um, we're going to skip over Jan Gomes. He was next on the list, but he's looking for a home. Still a great year. Part of the season in Washington. Oh. Finished it in he's, Oakland. What was that? He's he's a free agent. Yes. So he's looking for a home right now. So we'll see where that lands because um, that, that'll be really interesting. So he played very well when he could play. Just will he play mm. is the question. And we'll go to what was his teammate this past year for the second half of the season. And Sean Murphy, who tilted so many people because he only hit 216. There was higher hopes for that. But his BABIP was low. Um, still at 17 homers. He's a stat cast god. If you want to look at that, like just jumps off the page. It's the ball extremely hard. Does so many things well. Disappointed tremendously this past year. But X stats pointed to a different direction. He could be one of those guys that brings the thunder in drafts. Like he's going right after Christian Vasquez right now. He could be an interesting one if you think he kind of rebounds and takes that next step. Because he's also, he's still young. He's 27. So it could be an interesting thing for Sean Murphy. Yeah, it's interesting. 216 batting average. Yeah. Hmm. He, he struggled. Because I had him on a few leagues, and it was so hard for me to want to drop him because I knew the potential that he brings to that plate. And it was just, eventually I had to. It, it, it's tough, though. It's like, if you ever want to know how frustrating Sean Murphy is, Follow Scott Jenstead during an A's game. That's all I got to say. Or listen to him on the Sunday Night Show, which obviously if you listen to this, you definitely listen to him. Um, he's talked about Sean Murphy so many times because he he's like the Matt Chapman of catchers for the A's. He crushes the baseball. Results have just been so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I don't see the, – the challenge for me is I want to see where it's going to get better for him. And I think like the home runs, like he had 17 home runs and 32 barrels. So he was slightly under, you know, underperformed on that. His home run per fly ball rate was 14.8%, uh, 14.8%. You know, previously to that, it was, you know, uh, above 20 for, you know, his partial year and then his 2020 season. But the ball also was down. He also plays in a in kind of the best park for a pitcher in a lot of ways. So there are things that can, that can suppress that. And then, you know, his barrel rate was actually slightly down from 2020, you know, just from a rate perspective, max EV EV was pretty much equal right there. You know, he hit the ball in the air a little bit more. So that will bring, well, that will drag the average down theoretically helps the power a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, you could definitely see, again, the projections are brilliant. You know, you just look at it. It's like, 228 batting average. So yeah, he probably underperformed batting average wise, but there's not like, he's not jumping up into the, you know, really good batting average. But at the same time, like you mentioned, he has the type of profile that could with the right batted ball luck in a given season could make a pretty significant jump, right? You could easily see him hitting 25, maybe even 30 home runs, especially if they give him a little bit more run than they did last year. Cause I know he was playing more before Gomes came over. Exactly. Like they brought Gomes over, I think, because he struggled to start the year. So it's like, okay, we're bringing Gomes over. We're in a playoff race. We need something back there. Yeah. And where's he going in drafts? Right, right, right around Christian Vasquez. Like two fifty ish, two sixty. Okay. He's he, he's intriguing. Yeah. He's intriguing for sure, but you also pay a premium. You know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. By no means, I like is, Elias is it a must, Diaz more, but he's interesting. I like his- I like Elias Diaz's profile more. 
I don't hate that. I don't hate that. There's there's a few other guys like we're not going to talk about them tonight because the next guy is the last guy I'm going to bring up on the show. But you know, you got your Luis Torrens, which has a little bit of Sean Murphy in him. Uh, you got your Max Stasi's that go afterwards. Stasi had a great year considering the injuries he played with. At least to me, he did. Um, you got Mitch Garver. You got a couple other guys where you could see similarities, kind of, mm-hmm. and the riskiness that comes with him also. Mm. So. Garver's it, it, interesting. I know we have a question. I won't talk about him, but I, I noticed yeah. something interesting about him. Yeah, he's very interesting this year. Like, there's part like, oh well, yeah, we'll talk about Garver in a minute. But uh, I, I got a lot. To, I don't have a lot to say right now, but I have some some thoughts as well. Um, the last guy I want to mention though, because currently he is the fourth catcher off the board. He's going ahead of Yasmani Grandal, Wilson Contreras, Kyber Ruiz, and others because he's got outfield catcher eligibility. The one, the only Dalton Varsho, who was the 19th catcher on the player Raider for minus $2.40. A lot of that was because of the early part of the year where he was beyond dreadful. Finished the year strong, 11 homers, six stolen bases. Um, Steamer doesn't have him projected to play much. I think that's potential to change. Let's be realistic there. But if we say he plays 130 to 140 games, this could be interesting, Toby. Oh, yeah, it could be real interesting, Bubba. Yeah, I drafted him a bunch last year. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, well, nice, nice little second. I left, left nice that little part out of half. it. <laughs> nice little second half. I mean, yeah, Varsho is super interesting. I mean, he could be huge. And I also think there's a pretty solid floor because I do think mm-hmm. the 433 play appearances is low. Yep. Um, because he can play outfield and he's one of their better hitters, honestly. I think the real concern is like if they continue to platoon him, um, you know, like they, I know they sat him versus lefties before um, for a while there, but you know, they have no reason now to kind of hold back. Uh, The profile is pretty solid, you know, play discipline could be better, but he makes a lot of contact. Um, the batted ball quality, he's got a 119 max exit velo, which is solid 7.3% barrel rate, you know, 16 barrels he hit, uh, last year he hit 16 barrels and he had 11 home runs. So right about like where you would probably expect him to be maybe a little bit ahead of that, but you know, and then the stolen bases, like six stolen bases and 315 plate appearances. I think there could be even more. I mean, when we look at his projection from last year, he, I think he was at 10 or 12 stolen bases. Um, so you could definitely see it, especially in an era, a Diamondbacks team that's going to have to generate some runs, you know, next year. So obviously there's still some question marks and he's going very high um, in drafts. Um, but like, I think there's, I think there's, I think there's good reason for it. Um so again, like I'm not, I'm not like in love with it necessarily, but I also can see it. Yes. You know, there's a path to it. Yeah. I mean, what's the, you think about JTR's profile mm-hmm. and you think about his profile and I think they're very similar. Let me tell you, let me, let me, let me tell you that because I pulled up the steamer 600 projections there the, the, for, for this, the idea so they had, they had Varsho, 142 games, 600 plate appearances, 535 at-bats, 24 homers, 11 stolen bases. He had 71 runs, 78 RBIs, 254 average. JTR in uh, the 600s, they still only had him for 125 games, 450 plate appearances, 17 homers, so seven less than Varsho, seven stolen bases, four less than Varsho hitting 251. Hmm. 
again, projections aren't correct. And it's um, it was about 120, 130 fewer at-bats in the projections because for some reason they have JTR playing a lot less in the Steamer 600. Mm. Not sure why. But so if you maybe ex- ex- expand on that, my point is they're very similar. If you yeah. make that, if you make the at bats about the same, they probably line up pretty similar. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, if you were to like just do, like, what's the chances like that Varsha is better than JTR this upcoming year? Like, is it twenty percent? At catchers, I, it's probably more because all I mean, it takes is like an a, injury. All it takes is an injury, and Varsha plays the outfield. There's there's a funky looking Venn diagram that has, yep. you know situations where Varsho ends up better than JTR, mm-hmm. you know, them being like kind of similar and then him being better. And JTR is definitely ahead of that. Yeah. But there's JTR's like similarities. It. He's proven. And also like plate appearance wise. I mean, yeah, if you do like steamer 600 or whatever, but chances are, I mean, JTR, if he's healthy next year, he'll get 600 plus plate. Oh, appearances. Exactly. And I don't think Bar shows there. Yeah. I think Varsho's around the 450-ish, give or take. Yeah. Which is what the projection the projection showed 530. So maybe cut him back to 20 homers, eight stolen bases, still hits 250. Like that's oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. At great, a catcher position, that's outstanding. So that's what that and he's going forth in DCs right now, which to me kind of still surprised me that it was that high. It'll be fun to see where that keeps going as the next couple months uh chug along here, to say the least. Yeah. All right. And I mean, I mean, he's a little guy. He's 5'10", 5'10", 207. So he's a little guy, but facts punch. He does. He facts a punch. All right, let's do some listener questions for the catcher's position here. We got some from a couple weeks ago, then we had to postpone it because of my schedule and the ones from today. So we'll do them all on the show. Yeah, we have about 20. We have no, it's like are we, uh, 10, are we doing 10-ish. 20 questions? We might be. We yes. Might be, so. No. Yeah. Yes. The first, no. the first one's from the, the one and only Jeff Zimmerman. He says, What catcher do you draw the line with and don't want anyone after them? Oh man, Jeff, you're asking way too complicated questions for this time of year. Cause I haven't done I haven't done any drafts. Um I mean, let's see, like Perez, I'm fine with, Real Muto, I'm fine with Smith, Varsho, Grandal, Contreras. Ruiz, Stevenson, Diarno, you know, Rutschman, like obviously, like, you know, he could be super, super good, but I think in a redraft league, though, he's not there at ADP. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know if I could go with him. And also yeah. Kirk, like I mean, Danny yeah. Jansen was kind of good, like towards the end of they split a lot of, of time last year. That's the and thing. A lot of Moreno time. is on my dynasty team, so I kind of lean towards him. Mm-hmm. Um Garver, I like. Vasquez is fine. Um then it gets interesting. Narvaez is fine. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not really into the profile of like the Murphy, Haas, Zanino. Narvaez is fine. I don't like Sanchez. You like Elias Diaz. Kelly, I have to dig in a little bit more. Yachty is like a very far backup action backup option. So I'd say I'd say like maybe Diaz right there. For- I, I got to dive in a little bit more into um, you know because I know like even Jacob Stallings is is decent. He's Tucker decent Barnard, in a deep league if you need him. Yeah, he's decent. So I don't know if it's necessarily drawing a line, but I generally like to have two of the better ones. So yeah. I'd be surprised if I got beyond Elias Diaz, but stranger things have happened. Yeah, like Max Stassi I like, but like I don't like James McCann. Um, I like Elias Diaz. I'm, I'm with you. 
I think I could go as deep as like a Max Stassi, but there's probably five or six guys ahead of in the grouping ahead I wouldn't take. So I'd probably take, let's say, 13 of the top 24 or something, something along those lines. I'd like to try to get them. Like if worse comes to worse, like you mentioned, Jacob Stallings, Barnard are there. I'd prefer not to if we had that choice. But um, I definitely wouldn't be going past Max Stassi, to say the least. I'd prefer to get one of the guys up top, as you mentioned. All right. The next question on the dock here from Ryan Roof. He says, who are the fill-out-your-roster catchers to target at the end of DCs? Oh, man. End of DCs. Um, Fill-out-your-roster type guys. Nick Fortes of the Marlins. you, You go ahead. Go ahead. I think Nick Nick Fortes of the Marlins is a good one because Alfaro might get the start, but last year they put Alfaro on the outfield. They like to let Fortes go. So I'm curious to see where that continues on. Um, I like guys like Austin Hedges. It's his gig. At least he should be starting more often than not. And these are just like your fourth catchers. Like these are the guys you're hoping to not have to use, basically. But these are the end games, as he mentioned. Um, a couple others way deep down here. I always have a nice liking to Higashioka because I feel like the, Gary Sanchez's days are numbered. So he's a, he's a free one. Luis Capusano of the Padres got a lot of run in um, September. So he's another guy. And then if you're not worried about overall production, a guy like Martin Maldonado, he plays all the time. He's going to get you at-bats. So there's other guys back there, but those would kind of be closer to my in-game options. I prefer not to have to go that deep, though. Like I already have I, – I took three early, like I said. I might take a fourth, or I might just roll the dice with three. We'll see because I like my three. So my goal is to not go too deep. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I haven't done any DCs yet. So, and I really need to dive into the back end of the player pool in terms of catchers. Um, I actually like the two Rangers catchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonah Heim, I think just look, thinking back from last year has a really nice profile. I'm also been a big fan of Jose Trevino for a while, you know, how they end up splitting the job, you know, will be interesting. Um, you mentioned Campusano, like there, there's some guys that are really interesting if they get, if they get the the run, but it's always, it's always challenging to find out whether they're going to do that. Um, I'm just kind of scrolling through here. One more, one more I want to mention that gets my attention is Kurt Casale of the Giants because does Joey Bart get the early run or not? Casale could get some run because they liked him there. They used him a lot and he actually produced, um, might not play every day, but it could be more interesting than you think if Joey Bart struggles. Mm Hmm. Yeah, uh, Casali's been relatively solid too. Um, I mean, Wilson Ramos, like, is he going to be the catch? He's got to find a job. He's got to find. He's got to find a job. They Cleveland DFA him last year. Oh, did they? Yeah. Did they? Okay. That's the problem. Shows, I'd love him. What I, I know. Well, I'd love him if he was there. I'm 100 percent with you. I just don't know where he's going to. Because I know they were. They place. they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. Um, they didn't pick up the option for Perez, so he's gone. Yeah. Um, Riley at Riley Adams is another one, but I love Kyber Ruiz. So yeah, Kyber Ruiz is is, is cool. Yeah. I'm into him. Um, Andrew Kisner, if you're, if you're into that. Yeah, <laughs> not that into it. Yeah. Um, Cal Raleigh. What? I, I mean, I'd be interested in the um, in the uh, you know, in seeing what that is playing situation. The, the Mariners. Like the there. Mariners have a lot of catching options. Yeah, they also like, I mean, Raleigh sucked when he was up, but he was really freaking good Mm -hmm. um, in the minors. And so, you know, again, it can take some time. 
for guys to adjust. But, you know, if it looks like he's going to get some run in Seattle, I'd be kind of interested in poking around him. Um, You know, and there's also other interesting guys like Gabriel Moreno has just been tearing the cover off the ball, you know, everywhere he goes. Um, He's great. Um, Yeah, it's, yeah, it's never good when your O swing is higher than your ground ball rate. (laughs) Not good at all for Raleigh. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's rough out there. I haven't done the research that I need to to really dig in because I haven't gotten to the DCs. And generally, that's what the DCs help prepare me for. Is I'm like, oh, I gotta take a third catcher here. Where which direction am I gonna go? Yep, for sure. Uh, Mister Cutline, master himself, Cujo Curtis Jones asks Toby, "Are you sticking with your early catcher strategy? It has certainly paid off the last couple of years." Um. I probably, probably it depends. I mean, I think there are some guys like I'm trying to be a little less rigid than I have been in the past around some things like, you know, um, so I'm going to see how the ADP shuffles out, but chances are I will. I mean, I probably have a lot of JTR just because I think he's going to go later in drafts than I think he probably should. I'll have a little bit of Sal. Maybe not that much though, just because it's so hard to pick a catcher, you know, who doesn't steal bases at that point in time in drafts. But God, I love him. I'll have some bar show for sure. Um, I could see myself having some Will Smith. Um, I think he's he's all around solid, but I might maybe not, just because what he's not necessarily he doesn't really stand out in any one particular place. Um I can see myself having a lot of Grandal and Contreras and Kybert Ruiz for sure. You know, yeah. D'Arno, Garver, maybe. (laughs) All right. The Little Book of Calm asks, Steamer 2022 projects only three catchers to hit 22 plus homers. Salvi, Grandal, Will Smith, and three more to hit 20 to 22 homers. That would be, I'm looking at it right now, Riamuto, Contreras, and Sanchez. They also project exactly one catcher to play 130 games or more, and that is Salvi. Who are some other guys that you could realistically fall into enough playing time to reach the 20 home run threshold? Well, we kind of talked about some of those guys earlier. Like Zanino's only projected for 17. I think 20 is very reasonable. Um, Mitch Garver, I'm a Max Stasi believer. I might be foolish there, but I think if he plays enough, he's he's got the power to do it. Uh, there, there's a Sean handful Murphy. of catchers. Sean Murphy yeah. for sure. I don't know if Kyber's uh, power is there just yet, but it wouldn't surprise me. Like he, I think he's that good. You mentioned Dal- of our show earlier. Um, what about Carson Kelly? I'm like you, you said. You have to look at him more. I need to look at him more too. Like I'm, if they dedicate catcher to him and let Varshall play the outfield, I'm more involved. I'm terrified of what Carson Kelly's playing time looks like with Varshall maybe playing both. Yeah, I don't know if he gets there. Yeah. Now the Playing DH could be big again because that could put Varsho at DH or whatever. Because they need hitters. Kelly's still one of their better hitters too, so that could that could play yeah, into it. Also, rough, rough. D backs are gonna be rough. So yeah, uh, buckle up. But there, there's probably a good, I'd say five, six, seven more guys we could realistically see hitting twenty this year. It's the catcher's position though. Like you just have to always know that they're one weird bounce away from an IL stint. Like so Pedro Severino's on the Brewers. 
Pedro Severino, last time I checked, didn't have a job yet unless they signed him recently. Severino that, signed a one-year, $1.9 million contract with the Brewers. I like that. because Two yeah, the, days the, ago. The Orioles DFA'd him. So um, that's interesting. That's a good backup to that Narvaez. That is interesting. That's a good lefty hitter. Yeah. Or against the lefty, I mean, pitcher. Yeah. Uh, give Narvaez a breather. So that, that's a good backup for them. Interesting. Yeah, I was right. just kind of trying to roll through and see. I mean, I think the, the most likely chance that you get like a guy who just kind of burst out on the scene is I think your best bet is one of these rookie guys um, if, if they fall into more playing time. So guys like, you know, uh, Raleigh or Campusano or Moreno or Rutschman. You know, if Rutschman plays the full season, I mean, I don't know what it, what what that looks like. Um, yeah, but and it Danny Jansen, I mean, yeah, Kirk's gonna take enough fat bats. That's my only concern. Yeah. We, we've been Jansen believers here for a while, Toby. It's just, I don't know if the playing time's gonna be there. Yeah, well, that's a good point because Kirk can hit. That's the one thing with Kirk, he can hit. It's just they platoon those guys so much. Yeah, so we'll see. That's the biggest thing with catcher in general. Like, Jan Gomes could hit 20 home runs, he just doesn't play enough. Um, that's how a lot of these guys are. They just don't play enough. So yeah. will be quite interesting. Uh, MS at SMMS 79 says, I know you guys don't frequent shallow one catcher leagues, but any merit to the idea of just waiting until the last round in such a format, same with waiver leagues, just seems like a waste of draft capital after the first five to seven guys. I'd say if you don't get one of the top yeah. guys, I have no problem waiting in a one catcher league. Totally. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think that's fine. Like, let me just see something. I'm going to run something real quick. So I just put in the auction calculator. I just did, I changed it to one catcher, five by five league, 12 teams. Um, yeah, you essentially have Salvi still is 31, 31 bucks. JTR is 16 bucks. Grandal is 14 bucks. Will Smith is 13 bucks. Contreras is eleven bucks, Varsho seven bucks. Everybody else is below five, and there's like you know ten guys within five dollars of each other around there. Yeah. So I think there's still, I think that's a good way to just like figure out like oh how might how might the value of these guys shift a little bit. So I think there's still value in one catcher leagues of the top notch guys. I think they lose some value for sure, but. But they're the separators. They're the difference makers. And that's what matters. Like the fewer, the fewer number of teams there are in a league, the fewer number of catchers there are that you draft. You're looking for guys who truly separate themselves. Um, and those guys still do that. So, Yep. The elite are the elite. And then you get the pool of the rest of them is what it comes down to. So uh, at Rev DeBone, he asks, Orioles had off held off on calling up Adley in 2021, but it feels like he'll get a significant time in 2022. He should, because they have no active catchers on the 40-man roster right now. Um, Steamer has him hitting a robust 260 in 386 plate appearances, which could be a high with 15 homers. Where are you comfortable drafting him, and do you think he'll be drafted as a catcher one in 15-team, two-catcher leagues in, in or by the time the main event rolls around? Um, if it's his job, yes, he will. That's what I'll say. Because the main event's in March. By then, you should have an idea of if he's going to play or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think 
I mean, I was a huge Matt Wieters fan, you know, and I hate to throw that out there again. He had some man with catchers. It can be, it can be slow. It can be a slow adjustment period. So I probably won't be all over him. I probably won't be into him, but I could definitely see it. Yeah. If they indicate like that, he, he, that, that he's going to get the majority of playing time that next season. Yeah. Yeah. I probably won't have any rushman or bark this year. And I believe either of them could do really, really well, or they could have a slow go. I wouldn't be shocked either way. I really wouldn't, but that's just my stubbornness in drafting. I don't take a lot of chances. That's just what I don't do. But uh, I, I will acknowledge they're both offensively very, very gifted ball players. So would not be shocked either. Um, now to the questions from today, Toby. Well, those were the last questions. Now today. Uh, ben Ted, our buddy at Breaking Ben underscore T says, if you don't draft Perez or JTR, do you think it's better to just wait on the position? And do you think Will Smith will be worth the top 100 pick? Well, he's going top 100 already. And I think Toby already kind of said, um, you still want some of the big boys up top. Yeah, I still want some of the big boys up top. Um, I could still see myself taking them. I mean, I love Grandal, Contreras. I mean, I think the thing with Will Smith for me is you look at last year, he had 500 plate appearances. He's likely to get a similar number. And so the question becomes, what do I see changing? You know, because what what was his value at? He was like 20 bucks, give or take. I had like Razball had... Will Smith at uh, $20.50, third best. Okay. Just behind JTR. So I think I'd want to look at like, let's see, what would that, what did, would that make him? That made him like the 68th most valuable player, according to Rasball. So I think what I'd want to just see is like, okay, take a look at that profile. What do I see changing? It seems like it's a, it was a fairly, a pretty fair line that he got. And so it seems like he is kind of right about, I think his ADP is like 75 so far. He's like right about where he should be going, where he should be valued. And then the question becomes, are there guys going later on that are values, you know, quote unquote values, right? In terms of like projection and cost. Um, And I would say I'd rather, I think Contreras and Grandal, I would feel better that those guys would meet their draft cost and or exceed that draft cost, then I would Smith only because I think there's a limit on the batting average for Smith because of the profile, fly ball profile. And I don't, and he's not going to steal bases. Yeah. The power is, is where it's great. It's legit, but I also feel pretty good that like Contreras will have a bunch more plate appearances and we'll probably get 20 to 25 home runs. Yeah. And steal some bases and the negligible difference in batting average. So again, like I think there's justification for all those guys, but I think at that point in time, and then you're like, well, what if I wait and I get Elias Diaz there as like kind of a batting average cushion at a position where not a lot of that exists, you know? So those are some of the considerations I think that would go through my head as I thought through that. Yeah. Uh, I'm team Randall, So we're going to have some fun with that one. Um, Dynasty junkie has a question, the Mitch Garver question. I think Mitch Garver has real sleeper potential that comes from a lack of plate appearances in 2021. What potential outcomes are in store for him? I a hundred percent agree. Like 2019 was awesome. He played 93 games until at 31 homers. I'm not saying that, but when we want to talk about a guy that can crush baseballs and, you know, he was banged up last year. 
uh, the last two years prior to that 273 268 average i think we can get like two 240 to 250 with a ton of power yeah so during this exercise i have the catchers up in fan graphs i have like catchers up and i changed the plate appearances to 200 and i sorted by wrc plus and guess mm-hmm. who the third best player catcher by wrc plus he had a 137 wrc plus last year that's outstanding a 137 wrc plus now that doesn't equate to fantasy relevance necessarily that, that but it does give a you, lot though it does give you an indication of what is possible with him in only 68 games that's outstanding yeah i mean it's all pretty good it's all pretty good under the hood for him um he's got great place discipline Real like pretty strong contact rate overall. He mashes his career home run per fly ball is right around 20%, which is what it was at kind of last year. The K rate went up dramatically, but I, I I guess I kind of see it. I kind of see that, but I think the major question for him though is going to be, and he hit 250. So that's certainly possible. You know, his career batting average is 256, yep. which is weird. Steamer's got him at 233. Yeah, I don't believe that Steamer projection yeah. at all. I, I mean, I think the challenge with him is they've never let him catch Go. more yep. than one out of every two games. Yep. Like, even when he was mashing that season, it was one out of every two games. And it's just hard. I mean, I guess it's not that hard. Actually, I'll take the back. It's not that hard if he's going like late in drafts, which I think he's going. He is going late in drafts. So it's worth a shot. Well, going around pick 240. 240. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of fine. You just got to – I think that's the thing is everybody's like – they saw that 2019 and they were just like, oh, that's so good. If you project that out to 450 or 500 plate appearances, I mean, this is just brilliant. But I just don't see that happening. They don't seem comfortable with it. And he hasn't been healthy. So why why kind of push him? Especially, I mean, maybe the Twins will be good next year. I doubt it, but maybe. Yeah, that's a, that's my biggest concern. I don't I don't doubt the talent. I don't doubt the production possibility with him. It's do they play him? They still have Ryan Jeffers, so they love his defensive skills. He hits for a good average. Like he obviously doesn't have the power, but Garver, but he doesn't crush their team when he's out there. They have so much other power on that roster, especially if Kirilov stays healthy and produces. You put maybe a healthy Buxton out there, which is always a big if. But Polanco and Donaldson still out there, and Sano, like they got options when it comes to power. They don't have to have Garver. They want that defense though for the pitchers. That's where the, the problem comes into play with Garver. If we knew we were getting two thirds of the starts, that would be amazing. That's the question. That's the that's the tough part we have to to deal with. He's also he's six one two twenty. He's a bit of a tweener, you know. He's yeah, not he's like, like a he's not a sol- big he's guy. A solid. He's a solid guy. He's not a big guy. He's not a little guy. He's just he's a solid uh, guy. He's kind of a guy. Yeah, he's a guy. He's a, he's a jag. He's a guy. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Roof has another question for us. What happens in a draft and hold if you draft JTR and Varsho and both get hurt? Would you start your shitty backups or take the zero? Michael Simeon says, I second this because I started my injured players to not damage my team last year. I just abandoned the team, honestly. I just <laughs> never touched that team again. You cursed. Bad, just bad cursed. news. Bad news. Um, I mean, you know, it's just a question. I think you got to, like, if they're out for the full season and you're going to take two full zeros from your catcher positions, I mean, 
honestly, like if that happens, like you're in really rough shape in a DC. I mean, yeah, there's no if ands or no matter if they're good or bad, you need them. Yeah, and and also like yeah, you're taking a set. Like even if you put your other guys in, I mean, chances that they actually are solid contributors. Like what would you probably average out? Like they're probably like would average like two twenty with you know. 25 runs and 25 RBIs and five homers and zero stolen bases. Like you take that at two slots in a DC and you're pretty much, you're pretty much out of luck. So yeah, maybe you just sit him cause you're like, yeah, I'm screwed in the counting stats, but then you're screwed in the counting stats and you're kind of screwed in the league. So, I mean, it's the same situation that happens. Like it doesn't have to be JTR or anybody else. Your top two catchers both get injured in a DC and you're, you're kind of, Screwed. It's just, those are the breaks. Yep, yeah. those are the breaks. That is for sure. Andrew Poplin asks, general DC question, for rounds 20 to 30, what's a balance between at-bats and depth? Say you have two guys at first base but only one at third base. You're on the clock. Do you grab a third baseman who is worth less SGP-wise with another first baseman who is higher in your SGP ranks and has more projected at-bats? Do you grab the at-bats or do you prefer the depth? Great question. It's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so contextual and like in that moment when you're drafting, you know, because like my general rule of thumb, which I need to actually make sure it's my rule of thumb, but I'm pretty sure it's my rule of thumb is I want to have, I want to be four deep at all of the infield positions. I want three or four catchers. I want to be four deep at each infield position. I think I want, 10 outfielders. I, I know I want 24 pitchers, I think is what I want. It's 24 pitchers. I don't know if that all calculates, you know, I think it depends, but, um, and it also depends on like, like, like for me, SGP or like the dollar value is not, it's not like the be all end all. There are people who are like, this guy's $11 and 30 cents. And this guy is $11 and 15 cents. I will 100% of the time go with the $11.30 guy. For me, it's much more like the difference between a guy, literally the difference between a guy being an $11 guy and a $9 guy is like one stolen base and one home run. Yeah. You know? And so when you're kind of at that similar tier, I would like take a step back and I'd be thinking like, I always want to be hammering plate appearances, especially this year, I think you know, when there's just so much platooning happening, I definitely want to be hammering plate appearances. So it all depends on like, who are the guys that are in there? Like, do I have injury concerns about the guys that are in there? Um, You know, but like in this specific example, it would really depend, but I'd probably lean towards, I mean, if it's a plate appearance versus depth, like there's a guy who's going to play hundred percent of the time. And there's a guy who's going to play, 66% 66% of the time, 67% of the time, I'll go with the 100% of the time guy. I'd much rather do that than go with the 67% of the time because ch- chances are later on in draft, I can get a guy who's going to get me 50% versus 67%, you know? Yep. Um, or else maybe I just make a mental note, like I've now got two guys in that position who I feel like are going to be definite starters, or I have three guys in that who can play that position who I think are like 100% starters. Maybe I don't need to get the fourth guy on that position until later on in the draft, maybe I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to target two third basemen who are like in the strong side of the platoon, but maybe have the talent to like be the next one. 
So again, like there's so many different moving parts on there. There's so many, like with every single one of those decisions, I don't think there's a cut and dry answer necessarily, but I do think that like, I, I, I am not, uh, I am not like, I don't look at them and, and think like, Oh, there's a $1 difference between these two guys. So I'm always going to go with this guy, you know? Um, I think it's much more about like what your team looks like and, you know, and even like at that point in time, you got to be looking at what does the profile of the player look like compared to what I need, you know, who, who meets that more. So there's all those different things going on in your head. And the challenge is like, at some point you have to press the draft button and make a decision about like what, what, what works. So I know that didn't like answer your question specifically, but hopefully it gives you a sense, at least in my mind of like, what are some of the considerations you want to be thinking about there beyond just, you know, kind of what was in the question. Yeah, for me, it's quality of depth that you're looking to take and what depth is left over if you don't take it compared to just taking this guy because he's really good, but I might not even use him that much if all things work out well. So I think you got to kind of weigh it out, like you said, contextually with your team, how the draft's going. It all kind of depends on that mark. But I'd say more often than not, when you're around 20 through 30, I'm still looking at quality depth at that point. I would think, especially at certain positions like in the infield. It gets really interesting uh, where things are going. So that would be my two cents just thinking out loud. Um, less than Dave, Dave McDonald asks, um, well, we've already talked about his love for JTR, so we got that. Um, what catchers could have top five round value this year, especially with no D or especially with an NLDH other than JTR, Sal, and Smith? I think we kind of both think uh, Grandal and um, Contreras. Grandal, like Contreras, Varsho. Varsho. Yeah. yeah, those seem to be the main ones that could have top five round value. Yeah, I mean, I, we t- we we mentioned uh, Kybert Ruiz, you know, briefly. Like, I love the him. profile. Super interesting. I mean, it's a really interesting. Like, uh, I mean, uh, let me let me just take a look at it right here since I haven't taken a look at it. But like, dude's gonna strike out like. 10, he doesn't strike out at all. That's why. Like, that's why I took him at FPAS. I love Kyber two seventy batting average. I mean, you could you could see it. You could see the right things happening where he hits instead of hitting two seventy, he hits 280, 290. 15 plus home runs, you know, four hundred fifty to five hundred plate appearances. Yeah, he's. At, I mean, he's at seventeen for three eighty seven. Yeah, you know, so pop. you could see it getting above twenty there. He's going to have know, Soto and like Turner and stuff in front of him. Or not Turner, Soto and um, uh, <laughs> that's it. So, I can't remember who else, are, but yeah, he's got options there. So. Josh Bell, like you could easily yeah. see him hitting in the middle of that lineup. They're so bad. Like, I mean, he's got the train, Lane Train or Lane yeah, that's Thomas. That's what it was. Lane you know? Thomas. That's what I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're scraping bottom of the barrel where we're, we're talking about Lane Thomas here. But um, yeah, I, I could see Kyber. Uh, taking that that next step i mean dr no like we've seen the potential you know for him uh, most certainly you know um i think i think it's, I, I don't think it's too much deeper than that unless some guy comes out of nowhere i think it's it's like grandall it's Contreras, it's far show i think that's because talking about top five round value like these other guys might be top 10 round value for sure but top five that's still that's still a pretty large area of uh your elite infielders, outfielders, pitchers to, to dive into that top five as a catcher's pretty good. And then his other question was your favorite late target. We talked about that probably like the Elias Diaz's of the world for now until, hmm. until more shows up with, with, with Jeff's question earlier. All right. Uh, at SMMS 79 asks bets get second base eligibility in Yahoo. 
would that entice you to target any higher than you would normally in an NFBC places where he is strictly outfield? So the fact he gets second base eligibility, would he move up your list for you? Uh, maybe a little bit, but honestly, like second base and like second base is pretty nice. It's already pretty nice and deep. My biggest thing is he won't move up enough because the guys ahead of him are still better than him. It's not like he's going in like in round six. I could move up to round four. He's either a late first, early second. So I'm not really budging him up too much over like, do you put him, do you put him over like, um, Jose Ramirez? No. Like stuff yeah. like that. So, are you putting him over the debate's been Kyle Tucker already? Do you put him over Kyle Tucker? Do you take him over one of the elite pitchers? Probably not. So, that that's for me at least. Yeah. No, I agree. I I think it's. I don't think it adds that much. More in like a draft champions or something like that. But yeah. And then uh, he had another question. Early ADP in NFBC has Varsha going as high as seventy eight. If he sits around top one hundred ADP. Do you think you'll have any shares? I think you said yes. I think so. I have his ADP in draft champions through nine drafts. It's one ten. That's that could mm-hmm. be reason. That's pretty reasonable with the expectations. Yeah. yeah, my SGP spreadsheet has him right now at one hundred and second at fifteen dollars. So um, right now he's a slight value. But if he pushes up pretty far, uh, probably not. Unless I got some sort of signal in like spring training that, you know, they planned on playing him in six out of seven games each week or something like that. You know, like just sitting him once a week, starting him at catcher and then having him play center field or something like that in, in other games. Yep, that would change things a ton. Um, the last question we have here is from Tim Wyatt. Are there any catchers worth drafting in the top 100 besides Perez, JTR, we Maybe answer that as well. So yeah, yeah we got a lot of top 100 guys. A lot guys are looking for the next JTRs and Salvies, and we like we said, there's probably like, you know three, four options. Is what we're thinking. To look yeah, at. I mean, the one thing that I'll say is my SGP spreadsheet right now. The only guys that has his top 100 guys are Salvi, JTR, Yasmani Grandal. It actually has above Will Smith. Will Smith at 94. And then Dalton Varsho's at 102. And Wilson Contreras is at 108. So again, there's like there's some there's some competition for those spots. Um, and there's some love for like Yasmani Grandal right there. It's always good to see love for Yasmani Grandal. Oh man, there's always a fan. Warms my heart more. Well, that'll wrap us up. Catcher review on the books. Next week, I won't even be ambitious. We're gonna do first base next week. I'm not going to go over the top. We're going first hour base. and 40 minutes of catcher, ladies and gentlemen. This is the one place you can come to yeah. get an hour and 40 minutes of catchers. Some places, analysis. Want to, some places want to skip catchers. No, we go an hour and 40 minutes reviewing. We're not even previewing, reviewing. Wait till the preview. Oh, man. The preview is going to be nuts, dude. Yeah. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be like four and a half so, hours. So, final thoughts, Toby, as we head into the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, well, no, I mean, I think it's, I'm, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, it was good. good. I hope that was helpful for people. Let us know what you think about the new format. Like, is it helpful for us to do these like reviews and kind of go back? I found it to be really helpful um, as somebody who has, is not in, in, in as deep of the draft prep process as, um, as I previously maybe would have been at this point in time in the season. Um, so that's been really helpful. 
Thanksgiving. I hope everybody has a nice, you know, long holiday weekend um, and enjoy the food. I know that some people don't like the food and that's fine, but I love the food. Bubba, what are you, are, do you have some like, what are you, what are you going to eat? Turkey. Just uh, We don't do anything too crazy. I think we have some potatoes, uh, salad, some green beans, um, some pies. Going to go pick up some pies tomorrow. What kind of pies? At the bakery. There's this like, it's not just a basic uh, pumpkin. It's like a specialty pumpkin they make at this bakery. Mm. And then an an apple crisp with with some cinnamon. So a little vanilla ice cream on there. Yes, yes. Very, very good. And then some homemade whipped cream for the pumpkin. Just a little bit of all that. So yeah, that's kind of what we're doing. What What are you doing? Well, you know, uh, I'm really excited about one thing, which is I'm going to make homemade apple fritters. Ooh, that's that's your favorite donut. We talked about this. It's my favorite donut. I mean, it could honestly be, uh, it could be earth shattering. Like if this works well, this could be, could be a real game changer. I'm really excited. I found a recipe. It's got five stars, over a hundred reviews. So I'm really feeling good about it. Um, but yeah, a lot of going to make some, uh, some a sweet potato casserole, some mm-hmm. mashed potatoes. I mentioned the tofurkey. Mm-hmm. Um, what else am I making? I'm making some um, some veggie stuffing, some mushroom go. gravy. Yeah, we do with wife, some salmon as well. That'll be good. My wife makes a bomb stuffing from scratch. I forgot about that. We already yeah. we got sourdough rolls, and she chops up the sourdough, so it's not just like your. It's I was Is never sourdough the way to go. It's so good. Oh, it's because it still keeps it like kind of soft, so it's not super crunchy, and it's but it's not soggy. It's a weird mm. dynamic, but it's. I was never the biggest guy. She found this recipe like probably five six years ago. I love it. Love it. Interesting. Probably one, probably one of my favorite parts of the meal. Because my recipe called for sourdough, but I don't like sourdough bread, so I just went with like a French French bread. That it I'm should do, do. It should do. do it should do something pretty similar. It's the same same concept. Is it more for the te- it's more for the texture? I think it's more the texture. I think it's more the texture, but mm, the French and the is, density the maybe. Yep. The yep. density. Yep. Because then you I put mean, some gravy on it I and then it soaks it up. Steak. Yeah. Some mushroom gravy, dude. Yeah, just, there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah, the one thing I'm nervous about, and if you if you're still listening, thank you, everybody. But um, my wife gave me the go ahead. She's like, "Why don't you try to cook it on the Traeger this year?" And mm. I'm like, "You understand if this goes wrong, we're like ordering Chinese food, right?" And she's like, "Yeah, let's give it a shot." So I'm like, "Okay." I haven't had I, everything else I've ever cooked on there's turned out fine, so I'm not that worried about it. But I'm still a little worried knowing we have like nine people from family coming over, and mm. this could go horribly wrong. <laughs> so I'm, we shall see. I'm always amazed at like how long, like what a what a thing cooking turkey is. You know, like it's well, we so had we had the cheat code. Like the thing on the Traeger is supposed to be like four to five hours. We had the cheat code though when we got married. We were registered at Macy's, one of the places we registered mm-hmm. at, and we had took stuff back, and they had one of the countertop um, like oven things or roasters, roasting ovens. Huh. So we got one of those. We cook our turkey in that every year in an hour and a half. Wow. It's the greatest thing ever. That's people, amazing. Like, people thought it wasn't done before, and it's perfect. So you don't have to like stress about it all day. You don't have to use your oven. You just put it on the countertop. Done. It's amazing. Mm. No, what so, we got that I love is an air fryer. Those are the those are awesome, yes. dude. For veggies, it's yes. we glorious. do our Brussels no sprouts more, and like, stuff in just there. Like yep. you know, putting it like having to fry it, like or whatever. Yep. You know, 
put it in the you know what I think you know what I think you you know what I think you would like and I can't believe we're still recording this um (laughs) um we got them for our our daughter and we started to like them now because we wanted something healthier for her is they at Costco near the tater tots they have vegetable tots Really? They're made of like sweet potato, carrots, and a couple other things, but they're sh- so we throw oh, them in the air man. fryer, crisp them up in there, and we'll have those instead of like um, like tater tots or something. So she gets like the healthiness of all the real vegetables. Oh, I think you love them. That's a great idea. I'm always looking for ways to get my yeah. kids to eat vegetables. Yeah, they're phenomenal. Or not really fruits, but vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. But all and right, we'll wrap well, it up there. Have, well, have a great Thanksgiving, <laughs> Bubba, and everybody who's listening. Thank you for bearing with us here. Yeah, thank um, you. I hope, hope you got guys... some cooking tips. There you go. Uh, if if there is a shutdown, if there is a lockdown, we will move into our cooking show. Yeah, which... just just wait, folks. It, it's going to no be doubt. good. It's going to no get real good. Great. But uh, I hope you guys all have a happy, happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully, the the Toby G family has one as well. But uh, we'll be back with you guys next week, first base edition. Again, let us know if you have questions, ways to make it better for you. We're here to help you guys out. But I'm with Toby. It was fun, kind of recapping and. Talking about guys that we'll dig in even more on when we talk about the previews later on. But uh, this was Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 102, your catcher review for the 2021 fantasy baseball season. Catch you guys later. better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.